My friends, what lays before you is the myriad knowledge of an unfathomable universe. Join our intrepid remembrancers as they explore the heresy as history. From deep within the farthest reaches of the great library of Tiska, we are the Heresy Grad School. So said the War Master in his wisdom. Go forth, my sons, and illuminate them. There's a episode of Heresy Grad School, and you're here with uh, Professors Jason, Dave, and myself, and we're starting a new, uh, new section. And this is going to be an official syllabus episode. I know we've had some listeners say, what about the syllabus episodes? So Jason has done his due diligence and made sure that this is a syllabus episode. Yeah, got it all lined up. And there you go. Jason, do you want to take it away? Sounds good. So, guys, let's talk about... Let's get real for a moment. So Dave, Pat, and I... We're kind of hipsters, a little bit. We love to talk about some of of that underground niche stuff you may not have heard of before. Like, um, like the Coronid Deeps. We were just talking about how that's not a very, well, it's not that big, exciting drop site massacre, you know. It's kind of a, it's a smaller engagement that's nonetheless important, and... That's kind of what led me into thinking about our syllabus topic for today. So over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about the invasion of Paramar 5. So this is going to cover a pretty big wealth of info. If you want to check out and read a little bit ahead by yourself, uh, we're looking at book three, uh, Extermination. It's going to be pages 18 to about 30, 31 or so. It's where we're going to be pulling a lot of our mainline info from. And what's great about Paramar as a whole is it's definitely an important engagement. But in the same way as the Coronid Deeps, it's not one of those like big mainstream ones. It's not Isfahan 5. It's not, uh, it's not the Siege of Terra. It's got that kind of you know niche hipster appeal that really kind of draws me to stuff. And so that's why I'm decently excited to talk to you guys about what we're going to be looking at with Paramar over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, Jason, it's it's really a lot like the Corned Deeps in that there's not a lot of um, literature outside of the Black Books for Paramar, but it is referenced in a lot of, like, the Black Library books, but it's just referenced, like, very briefly. So it never goes into detail. Um, And it, it does seem to be the background for uh, a lot of engagements but uh, like you just never it never gets airtime so it's um it's pretty cool i'm i'm excited to go over paramar i was uh very ignorant of paramar before this i i it was one of the things that i had always wanted to get to um but just uh just never had a chance to really dig in so um i'm looking forward to it man i definitely am too uh Dave, you brought up a good point just a little bit before we got on air. Technically, uh, knights or knight households didn't get their full kind of fleshing out until book four or so, and this is book three. So it's kind of interesting to see what a big part they play in the engagements in Paramar before they're even 
like you know, quote unquote official. Yeah, no, I mean this this is this is definitely Forge World leading the charge um, on on knights, right? So we you know we knew an Imperial Knights were going to be a big thing when they came out. I mean, I I had that feeling anyway, um, and this is the first time they get treatment in um, the black books, and this is the first time they show up in the rules, just very briefly in the back under the Mechanicum listing. Um, I think the only knight chassis that were out then were the Errant and the Paladin for the Questorus Knights, and we got rules for the Serastus Knight Lancer, which was the first Serastus pattern knight that was out. But but yeah, man, this this these were like the heydays, right? This these were these were heady times that we're going into. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, guys. So let's get a little bit of an overview about what we're going to be checking out here. So, Paramar Five. Why is it important? So the Paramar system started out about four decades into the Great Crusade becoming important. It was actually identified and logged in 803M30 by rogue trader Hel Dionasi. And it was not, it wasn't super exciting as a system when it was discovered. Uh, it has a very unusual solar setup, uh, had a very unusual trinary star system. But this kind of made it unique in that it was very mineral rich, but not particularly attractive for uh, habitation and colonization. So you've got this massive system of more than 20 different planets, some of which are habitable, semi-habitable, uh, but a lot of problems are caused from this trinary star system, and it's very difficult to access some of this vast mineral wealth in the system. However, Paramar 5 is spectacular uh, because it has a massive series of extensive cave systems that are really easy for the Imperium at large to move into, to kind of militarize, transform into subsurface bunkers that aren't going to have much of a problem with like crazy solar radiation on a planet with minimal atmosphere. So, it actually started out as a uh, Mechanicum Reserve Stronghold, uh, secondarily a Promethium Extraction uh, Planet. So, it's a Mechanicum, not a forge world, but kind of a staging outpost. Uh, it's like a massive military cache, essentially. Uh, on top of which, there's a big system for Promethium Extraction. So, this is why uh, it's pretty important too from that aspect, but also it's really vital as a linchpin in the warp lanes in transit between the Istvan system and Terra. And this is why it's the second reason it's one of the big first check marks that the Warmaster wants to, you know, knock down on his list of galactic conquest. So Paramar 5 is pretty interesting too, because Beyond the entire military cachet deal, it actually seems to be kind of anomalous as far as a planet goes. Uh, some of the information on it on page 19 here, they mention specifically uh, 
had clearly once been a fully life-sustaining world whose topology bore clear signs of having been covered in oceans and whose vast untapped geological reserves of hydrocarbons indicate it was once home to a plethora of life. Now, for several millennia, it's kind of been reduced to this arid radiation, you know, soaked wasteland that's just been washed by solar winds from these triple stars. And it's got a super thin atmosphere that it's not really, you know, habitable for human life. Um, but again, this is one of those things that makes it almost a perfect military world. It makes it more difficult to assault and uh, had massive Promethean reserves. So this is why the Mechanicum originally moved in to set up. But on top of that, you've got more than 20 other planets in this specific chain. Uh, in, let's see. Oh, 37, actually, gives a specific number, main satellites. And on top of that, it's very uh, stable uh, so far as warp travel goes. So there are also a couple other things to pay attention to in this system. Uh, you have military penal colonies that are established on Paramar 8 and 19, and with a Again, much like uh, Paramar 5, you have massive underground networks of, like, prison hives, uh, subsurface prison hives, almost like, uh, you know, the normal Warhammer hive city idea, but in reverse, underground. On top of which, um, Paramar, do Roman numerals are hard, 21. So you've got Paramar 21, massive gas giant, very small moon, uh, was actually converted to a fully independent station and fleet anchorage for the Armada Imperialis. Known as the Farian of Paramar, the station importantly housed the largest astrotelepathic choir of the northern segmentum solar. So, massive importance for warp travel, for astrotelepathic communication, and for a military staging point. Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting, because um, they're at the what the the far end of the, the segmentum solar. Yeah, right D at the edge of it. Does it does it actually show? It does. It shows Paramar. If you open the book up, extermina extermination. If you open it up, um, literally, it's the other side of the cover. You can see it's at the terminus of the segmentum solar sort of on the, I don't know, I, I want to sound smart here and say it's on the rimward side, but I don't actually know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the right side of the uh, of the Ultima Segmentum and um, Segmentum of Yeah, it's uh, like divide. hugging the, the very edge of yeah. it, right? Well, yeah. entertainingly, it's halfway between Fenris and Bot. Yeah, Bot gets a shout-out in this map, too. I love this map. This is I do, too. I'm a big this is one fan. of my favorite things about the Harry. Giant star charts. Yeah, absolutely. I feel you. I mean, one of the nice things of Warhammer lore is you'd be hard-pressed not to find it in the fantasy stuff and the 40k stuff. Yet, pretty fantastic. So I, I had a shout-out to um, one of our guest lecturers, uh, Stephen, on this, speaking of star charts and, and, and uh, maps, the, the, the kind of the planet data that Jason was just talking about on page 19... Um, there's some, there's some system data, stellar grid, and the segmentum, and we're trying to figure out the stellar grid coordinates, the 44 uh, uniform Romeo Romeo, and then the Foxtrot 94. Like if that actually means anything, 
outside of uh, this box, right? Like, if does that have precedent? Is that like a system or a convention that uh, like uh, Forge World uses for the rest of their um, planetary data? So I'm just gonna I'm gonna like keep that in the back of my mind as we sort of go through the next few um, episodes and see if we can see if we can pin that down. That is a good question. I wonder how much consistency they keep between them. Yeah, that's exactly what I was trying to figure out, Jason. It's like, is that like an actual convention? Like, is there somebody, is there like some scribe in the in the bowels of Forge World Studio who's like actually got the whole galaxy mapped out on a grid section somewhere? That'd be, that would just be phenomenal. That would make me so happy. I would not put it past them. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. But, uh, we'll see what we can we'll see what we can make of that we'll see if we can pin this down for you guys and uh figure out what their what their grid sections are so i think something kind of interesting about paramar 5 too uh paramar 5 comma as well um it was actually granted as a vassal domain to uh graphone 4 uh the forge world and um in uh, was 891 M30 uh, as a reward from the Emperor for part of their service during the Crisis of the Hungering Gyre. And it's kind of interesting because Griffon 4 is also like a massive Forge world already, but to gain sort of this super powerful nexus, you know, in travel between Istvan system and Terra, uh, when we already well know that power and prestige in the Church of the Mechanicum is a huge deal. But that was probably a pretty big political move on the part of the Emperor. Yeah, that's a lot of real estate to just... It even mentions in here, um, it's a factor known to have caused some acrimony with Mars. So... It's, I swear, some days it seems like the Emperor never misses an opportunity to spite the Martians, which seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. What can because, be gained? Especially because they build everything. Right? Yeah. Hey, I mean, can you build me another 5,000 Land Raiders? Also, I'm going to spit in your eye while you do it. How about that? I mean, we were just talking about something pretty similar earlier today in a... Well, I mean, spoilers for the short story, The Board is Set. Pause. Spoilers. Okay, now we're going. Yeah. Uh, so when the Emperor is playing this massive, like, it's not chess, but it's chess, game with Malkador, and there are all sorts of, like, illusions and allegories and all sorts of, like, wacky subtext going on, he's a real dick to Malkador, just to kind of him into doing you know what he wants and what constantly comes up to me the emperor is well known to not really understand human interaction he doesn't really get a lot of i don't know the the human care aspect which yeah, I, is a little ironic considering he's trying to build you know he's humanity trying to save it yeah, the the master of mankind doesn't actually have the capacity for empathy or compassion or, um, yeah. I I think he's just so far 
removed from it, right? Like he, he's such a singular being, and you and you know foresight and having lived for so long, right? Many many thousands of years from from sort of I guess what we can piece together from the lore, right? Um, I just yeah I think he's lost that ability to uh, have connection with people, um, you know, in a, in a really, in like you, you, in the church of, what is it? The last church, right? Yeah. The, it's a great story, right? He's, he's speaking to the priest as revelation and, uh, he makes good points, very logical points. Right. But at the end of the day, it's just like, ah, didn't really, didn't really convince me, dude. <laughs> but it almost seems to cause, it causes him so many problems. Like, and I know I'm a little biased, I can't stand the Emperor, but just from a point of having your empire function correctly, like, because he could not and refused to even listen to Zagreus Kane and the whole of the plight of the Loyalist Martian Mechanicum, it cost him the war in the webway, in large part. And it seems like somebody that is allegedly omnipotent would be able to understand, like, if I don't acquiesce to the absolute baseline of hospitality for the culture that made warp travel off of Terra into the galaxy as possible, it's gonna bite me in the ass. And it seems to be such a consistent thing that the Emperor almost makes the exact wrong decision, socially speaking. Like he's yeah, trying. I mean, we can we like ruminate on, on, on the Emperor for, for a long time. It's one of my favorite subjects, actually. But, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. He's, he's, he's certainly a paradox, um, paradoxical figure in the lore, which is great. But, uh, but yeah, it's, so Jason, uh, Griffon Four. That is the that is the Forge World for Legio Griffonicus, is it not? I believe so. Oh yeah, just oh, actually, it says that. Oh yeah, Sorry. there you go. I thought, thought I was being smart. Uh, they also make a pattern of Vanquisher Lehman Russ. Oh. Ooh. Right. Yeah. I thought so. So yeah, so so this is a Paramar is becomes a, a really a very crucial junction in less than a hundred years. Well, right about a hundred years, right? Eight oh three M thirty is when it's discovered, um, and by the outbreak of the Horus Heresy, which is um, what is Istvan? Istvan three is nine hundred. Is it nine hundred? I'm getting confused now. We cover so many dates. Um... I feel like this is one I should have like pinned down. No, it's not. This it's... is two hundred years later because it's M thirty one. My my bad. So so yeah. So it's two hundred years. Two hundred years later, Istvan three happens uh, right at the beginning of M one. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Zero zero six and. That's the one. Is, is that when Istvan happens in O six? Uh. Well, that's Istvan five, not Istvan okay. three. So. Okay, so Istvan three was a few years, before. or like not even, right? It was ha- they happened pretty closely together, I think. Yeah, yeah, within several months, easily. Cool. All right. So yeah, Horus has got to get, or Horus wants to get Paramar because 
the astropathic choirs there. It's a huge mechanicum um, staging ground, right? Forge world. And then it's at sort of the terminus of the segmentum solar. It's important for all those reasons. What's interesting, though, is that he doesn't end up going that route, right? Like, he's still got a ways to go. Um, we Like, Paramar is at the terminus of segmentum. I guess I never really thought about segmentum solar as being so big, right? Which sounds kind of like uh, sort of academic when you think about segmentums. But I always thought of segmentum solar as being sort of with this smaller segmentum, but it's actually like it's um I don't know what it take what like what it what, what kind of time distance we're talking about in terms of warp travel, but you still got a ways to go, right? So just having Paramar doesn't give you you're not like within shooting distance of uh, of Terra. You've still got a long way to go. That is interesting to think about. Is there anything else that we wanted to cover? going to be covering and you should right. be reading book three also the emperor's a dick yes yeah. this is very true yeah, we, is a dick. i think <laughs> if we could touch on this most episodes <laughs> i never think we'd run out of content oh man there's there, it would it would certainly never be a conversation that you could you would run out of material on i just i swear i really want to know like the what if of malkador just like standing up and saying like fine you asshole like, I did all this, like, for you, and you can't even say thanks? Figure it out yourself. I'm, like, fucking retiring to Boca Raton. I think I think just Malkador cares too much, man. I think Malkador is really the hero. You know, he like... He kind of is. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, 100% is. Like, even at the end, he, you know, like, sacrifices him. So, I don't know. I don't know. Malkador, I think Malkador might be one of the most interesting characters that we know the least about. You know, I, I want to know more about what he's up to. Malkador can also be a dick. Not like, like, like the Emperor is certainly on another level of. There's no empathy coming from. Like, right. There's the Emperor doesn't even pretend. Well, maybe sometimes, but like, like he's, he's bad at it. He's bad. He's, yeah. he's real bad at it. But like Malkador can definitely be a dick when he needs to be, you know, like, oh, yeah, I think without a doubt. But. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's got all those people locked up on, uh, what's the secret jail where he keeps like Olatan and, uh, uh, the, the prison where he just like locks people away. Uh, that's a good point. And then he's also like, I don't want to do too many spoilers here, but doesn't he like murder a bunch of people? The silent sisters that are all, I can't remember what that book is now. It was towards the end. That might have been Barry Dagger, or it might have been Slaves of Darkness, or it might have been one of the stories in Heralds of the... Those are the last three books I read, and they all blend together now. We're really wildfiring with the spoilers. We don't even know what novel we're spoiling now. Like, so like, <laughs> I know, I feel like, sorry, spoiler alert, like if you're not at the Siege of Terra, everything else is fair game at this point. Like I, I, won't, I, I won't spoil Solar War for people, but... Uh, I feel like that's fair. Yeah. Like, if you haven't gotten a buried dagger so far, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life, man? I mean, yeah. This is exactly 50% of my first day classes for grad school. <laughs> it's like they come in, it's like, here's the syllabus. This is what we're going to be doing. Uh, I'm going to get distracted and talk about something different for 20 minutes. And uh, no homework. Just show up next time. Perfect. Yeah, so you heard it here, listeners. No homework. Show up. 
<laughs> well, that is some other stuff and what we'll be covering uh, coming up over the next few weeks. Um, sorry for it's just a syllabus. Don't apologize. They love it. Yeah, but fair enough. You guys love us. Um, <laughs> just a quick shout out and just some uh, house cleaning kind of stuff. Uh, at school, we're actually going to be break over August. Back in action. Same great heresy time. Same great heresy place uh, starting in. And also do not forget to come see us at Nova. Because all three of us will be there at Nova. And I think actually, is the entire cast going to be at Nova? More or less. I think yeah, so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you'll see us around. You know where to find us. We're, we'll obviously be downstairs in the heresy hall. Hanging out. Playing some games. Are we doing Keg Night again? Are we sponsoring Keg Night? Yeah, we are doing Keg Night. We are. Yeah. Are we doing it Wednesday? Yeah, we're doing it Wednesday. Right, uh, I think it's right after the GW talk. Yeah, that's going to be the the best place to just come hang out, man. Yeah, come hang out. We're doing doing trivia. We got some fun little prizes and stuff. So, yeah. And I promise they aren't going to be extra hard questions. Some of the random jokes can be real simple stuff. <laughs> what legion is the best legion? Things like that. Thousand Suns, obviously. Well, yeah, yeah. Was that a trick question? <laughs> it may have been. Um, but yeah, so I guess uh, we'll go right into plugs. Uh, Dave, you got anything? So, speaking of Keg Night, that was a. I didn't even think about this, but perfect, perfect segue into a plug for our favorite bartender down at Billiards. Um, so, if you're ever in. in Richmond, Midlothian, um, definitely stop by Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds is uh, probably one of the best local game stores um, I've had the pleasure of just playing at, hanging out at, buying stuff from. I mean, they're 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 huge, and their gaming space is awesome. And right next door is a bar and pool hall, and Brittany, our favoritist bartender in the whole world, keeps the Remembrancers Retreat. I can't even say our name. Um, (laughs) That's why I'm I'm only on Heresy Grad School, because I can actually say that. Um, Keeps keeps our tap handle on tap at uh, at Billiards. So I think what she does is like when a beer comes in or, or a cider comes in or a brew comes in that they don't get a tap for, the distributors don't have one or whatever. Um, she just puts on our tap handle that we made. That's super awesome. And uh, and every time somebody you know asks, hey, what's that? She's like, uh, check out their podcast. So we love we love you, Brittany, and thank you so much for that and just being awesome. So yeah. guys, go check out Billiards and say hi to Brittany and. Tell her that we love her from Heresy Grad School. And Try some of our officially branded beer. Yeah, we don't know what it is. <laughs> it's, it's different. It's different each week or whenever they run out. But yeah, freshly brewed from her. Yeah, but it's ours, and that's what's important. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and also go check out Battlegrounds because yeah, they are awesome. Super friendly staff and so much it, gaming space. Oh yeah, they, it's like a tiny just warehouse. It's gigantic. Yeah. But yeah, Jason? Oh, uh, I don't play Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah. The old world is alive and well. Yeah. People keep on messing giant. I'm like, no. No. 
I really wish people would message me with giant lots of chaos dwarves, but you know. <laughs> you heard it here first. Message us or message the podcast. Giant lots of. Oh yeah, totally beast man. Beast man or best Dave. man. Dave doesn't want anything. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> no more for Dave. No more yeah, for I've Dave. Got, no, I, I'm good. I'm tapped out for a little while. I've got, a, <laughs> got enough. <sighs> All right, folks. I think that's a. Uh, I think that's a syllabus episode. Yeah. Hope you all enjoyed it, and uh, start getting into uh, book three. If you have a download, or sit down and take a read. All right. Hope you all have a good time. Fuck off, Craig. Craig, buddy. Fuck off.